Hello, and welcome to Co-OpCast, your one-stop for cooperative game news and reviews. On this week's episode, Colin and Steve will get into all the co-op news, give their thoughts on some great games, and have a short topic discussion. Welcome to a special episode of Co-OpCast. And this is a special episode because I have two announcements. One, I have a special guest, Thibaut de la Tuan from Triton Noir on the episode today. And we will be talking about two games. One is V Commandos, which he launched and designed, which is a stealth game, one of my favorites. I love stealth. And later on, he will be announcing a new game for your for you listeners. So stick around to hear about the new game coming up. Without further ado, welcome, Thibaut. Thank you. So let's jump into it a little bit. Uh, why did you become involved in the board game in this industry? Uh, in fact, I, I started working in the board game industry when I was a student. Uh, I worked on role-playing games. I created logos for them, uh, for the people who became Asmodi today. But it was a long, long, long time ago. <laughs> So uh, they were doing, yes, role-playing game at the time. And uh, I was a freelance artist uh, working for them. Uh, then I, I started to work uh, in 3D. So I w- went quickly into the video game industry for about 20 years. And then uh, when I decided to to, to stop, um, I mean, I wanted to set up a company and do things on my own. And then board game seems uh, the best choice for me, so that's why I, I switched um, to the board game. I wanted to go back to more creative, uh, creative stuff, and uh, the video game was becoming bigger and bigger and bigger. And uh, in the end, uh, I lost the the things I, I loved, so I decided to to change. Oh, interesting. Uh, what type of work did you do in the video game industry? I started as a 3D artist. Uh, as I said previously, uh, I really self-trained uh, in 3D. It was really new at the time. It was the beginning of, of the 90s. Uh, so no 3D schools, no, no things like that. You had to learn everything uh, on your own. And then I became game designer and then producer. So I, I did many of the jobs I need today. Uh, this is also why uh, I, did, uh, I did that, yeah. So... When you launched the uh, Triton Noir, was you was your intention to always start with V Commandos as your first game? Uh, at, the, at the very beginning, I had another prototype uh, of a competitive game. It was completely different. I think it was interesting, but we had no theme for the game, and the gameplay was maybe too, uh, I would say, original. I mean, too different from anything that exists. And to doing a Kickstarter campaign uh, with a game too original, I think it's very risky. It's courageous. I I admire that. But I mean, it's very risky. I I really uh, left my job, so I had no revenue and I couldn't fail. I mean, (laughs) it was not an option for me. Um, So I decided to to stop this one and and work on a new concept that could work better on Kickstarter. So. The game I'm fam- most familiar with from you is the V Commandos. Uh, do you want to describe to our listeners what that game's about? 
wie kann man das diese uh, fully cooperative game it's a it's a tactical and uh, an infiltration game which makes it very different from many other games on the market uh, it's a game that could have minis uh, it's quite similar i mean uh, to many uh, miniature games uh, today on the market but uh, we wanted to have minis but uh, it was I mean, the challenge was big enough, uh, so we, we decided to not to have any minis for the game. But uh, so you play uh, missions. Uh, you can play short missions are, are quite short. I mean, you can play um, objectives of about 30 minutes, and then you can combine different objectives to create a full mission of uh, one, two, three hours. And uh, this is also a game with, with very um, D different kind of objectives. This is something that comes from the video game experience. Uh, in many games where, where you have scenarios, uh, tactical games with minis, my opinion is that often it's always the same. I mean, you, you change the, the tiles, but in the end you enter uh, from this point, you kill everybody, and then you get out from this point. And why just changing the tiles and doing the same thing? So in the video games, there is a, a, a job which is level designer, and level designers take the rules, twist them just a little, and then you have a new experience. So I, I try to bring that and to have very different missions in, uh, in the commandos. So this is maybe one of the original stuff in, in the game. Yeah, I definitely noticed that when I was playing my copy of that game. Um, I, there's definitely similarities from a, a broad perspective, but each mission does feel very different. Yeah, I enjoy that quite a bit, so... It's an interesting theme too, having commandos and World War Two and stealth, which I I love the stealth mechanic in board games. I, I unfortunately I don't feel like there's enough of them out there. Um, what was your uh, inspiration for creating that game? In fact, my first inspiration was a commando books I have uh, at home, uh, just here behind me. Um, so commando books I bought uh, maybe ten years ago because I was fascinated by these guys and the things they did during World War Two. And um, then it, it became clear that it was a good thing. I think World War II is not that much uh, uh, present in the classic board game industry. I mean, you have Memoir 44, you have Heroes of Normandy. You don't have so many games like that. Many war games, of course. Um, so that, that was the point. And by reading the books again, I, I took notes everywhere of the interesting things I would like to have in a game. And the uh, stealth became obvious uh, very quickly, of course. And as I love uh, stealth video games, for me it made a lot of sense to 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 do that. It was for me it was obvious. It was a no no brainer. Fascinating. How long did that process take with your uh, researching through your books? Uh, I mean, it went fast. It went it went fast. Yeah, I, I checked the books. I checked videos. Uh, movies etc and then I, I grabbed everything but I, I really took note of every details or missions ids mm -hmm. etc and then uh yeah then I, I start i started to work on the game very quickly yeah. and you mentioned your love of st uh, stealth video games is that why you wanted to make a stealth board game yes definitely and uh, also the challenge of adapting adapting the the gameplay uh, or trying to find a way to adapt the video game uh, gameplay uh, to the board game was uh, was interesting, and uh, I I try to design I design more by feelings rather than win, with with uh, Excel tabs, and uh, I wanted to try to reproduce the same kind of feelings 
you have when you play this kind of video games, but on the table with your friends. That was the, the, the objective for me. So what were some of your design goals when creating V Commandos? I wanted to 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 do a game as accessible as possible. Uh, it's half accomplished. I mean, in my opinion, uh, I could not go as far as I wanted, but it's still my, my current goal on the new project. I also wanted a game that I, I knew that you would regularly change the, um, the maps. So I, I needed to create a system that you could quickly uh, remove the, the map and set up a new one. And also, I think one of the challenges was to reproduce the the, the stealth mechanics, but in a very simple way. Uh, not no field of view, field of vision, uh, no line of sights. Uh, I didn't want these kind of things because it would have been very complex, or maybe I didn't find the, the magic solution. But uh, yeah, so it was uh, yeah the challenge was that. Yeah, I definitely see the result of that. It's a uh... I've had very good luck explaining that game quickly to people and just jumping into the gameplay right away. It's very easy to pick up for sure. I I will um I want to talk a little bit about the the map tiles specifically. So for those of you who aren't familiar with this game, uh, the map tiles come in three different sizes: a small, medium, and large. And then on one side it's indoor uh, indoor artwork, and the other side's outdoor artwork. But how the how each terrain is set up, how you build your your uh, your entire map structure, it doesn't matter necessarily which tile you grab. It's just as long as the size fits. So you can literally grab whatever artwork you want, and it makes it super easy to set up in that regard. I thought that was pretty a pretty unique concept that um, you uh, created here. I've seen some comments online where. Some people would prefer sometimes unique artwork on that. Say like, hey, this is a uh, a submarine base. I want to see a, a sub on that tile. And there are definitely some tiles with that. You can like search from if you really want to. But if you don't really care, you can just grab, honestly, almost whatever tile you want. How was the the feedback when you proposed that idea um, to your playtesters or other people you were designing with? I didn't have a lot of feedback on the tiles themselves. I had feedbacks after the game was released, and yes, as you say, some people complained because they wanted to have tiles dedicated to each mission. But what I wanted, as I explained previously, that I wanted people to be able to set up the game very quickly. Uh, I think you know uh, there are many games on the market where you have to select the tile B17 and A, and it's very long to set up the map. And it's okay if you play for, for two hours on a map. I, I mean, why not? But I knew that we would play about 30, 45 minutes per map. So I wanted them to, to switch uh, quickly. So that was simply just uh, to keep the rhythm of the game as much as we can. Yeah, that, that's a nice change of pace. I really, really appreciate that. I can I can actually play a, a, a single uh, map of that in 30 minutes. It's definitely very doable. So. So one thing that was interesting is on your website, you have some design notes. And in these design notes, you talk about some of your uh, inspiration from real historical events. And when we uh, met uh, a couple of years now at this point at Gen Con, when I demoed V Commandos with you, I remember talking about some of the events. Like uh, one I remember specific was movie night. That just sticks in my mind where um, this was a real event where commands were infiltrating a base. 
and I guess they were showing a movie at the time, so no one was really at the post. So it made it very easy for the commandos to do their job in that scenario. What are some of the uh, favorite historical moments you put into this game? It's difficult to, to answer this question because there are so many uh, incredible missions. I mean, w when you read the books, you, you could do a movie for each mission because most of them are really incredible. So it's very difficult. Uh, maybe the most, one of the most crazy ones was uh, an operation where I think uh, two agents of the SOE managed to, to kidnap a German general uh, in a Crete uh, island. I don't know the name in English, sorry. And, uh, and they had to escape the, the, um, the island with, I think, 2,000 Germans uh, running after them. And they managed to get back to the submarine and escape with the general. And uh, it, it's crazy. I mean, when they, when they were starting these missions, I, I cannot even imagine how they could accept to go on such crazy missions. But they did it and, uh, and it worked. So, yeah. So maybe this one was, was yeah, incredible. Oh, fascinating. Cool. So what was one of the most challenging aspects when trying to produce V-Commandos? I would say the most challenging aspect was, the, was personal uh, because I was almost alone to create uh, so many things in the game. I mean, I, I designed the game. I created the company. I ran the Kickstarter campaign. I did many, many things on my own. I, I created more than half of the tiles, of the art of the tiles. Uh, creating all the missions, uh, playtest, all the playtests, and we did hundreds of playtests on the game. So it was really, really time-consuming and uh, crazy. And the uh, two expansions, which means that I had uh, the double, uh, I had the double of the of the content uh, of the base game. So uh, yes, it was it was difficult, uh, but I managed to to do it and deliver the project. So. So I'm very happy with that. But for the yes, for for the next one, uh, I try to work with more people. No, I have a little more money to do that, so it's possible. One thing I remember you mentioning is um, reaching out to others to help with the rulebook. Like I think you remember mentioning uh, talking with Fantasy Flight on that. Is that true? Uh, uh, one of the yeah, one of the proofreaders was a, a proofreader who worked uh, freelance for uh, Fantasy Flight. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. We, we try to, I mean, I, I'm not an expert in every domain. So when I'm not an expert in a domain, I try to, to get, uh, experts that can help me. So when I, yeah, so many people helped, but in some aspects in particular at the moment of the project, uh, and it was really helpful and uh, without them, uh, the game wouldn't be, wouldn't be what it is today. So, so knowing what you know now, is there anything you would have changed going through the process of creating V commandos? I'm not sure I would change something. Uh, I mean, the, the biggest problem was not having enough money. That's why it, it took so long and I did so many things alone. So if I could have more money, maybe it would have been a good idea yes, to try to to go to a bank and try to, to get uh, uh, some money. But I think it would have been very difficult at the, at the very beginning in a new domain and banks do not really know board games. So maybe it wouldn't have worked. So. But but I think I do not regret uh, things. Uh, I think that I, I do not have major regret. Yeah, on the, on the game. What are your wishes for V Commandos in the future? Do you have further designs you would like to implement or additional content you're hoping to get to at some point? Yes, of course. We we are thinking. We have plans. We have uh, 
uh, nice things, but we are not working on them today. Uh, so I cannot announce anything, but we have uh, yeah, one expansion we are thinking about and, uh, and maybe a, a, a deluxe version of the game, uh, but it's still ideas and projects and uh, we are not working on that currently. Yeah, it's probably because of the game we're going to talk about later, I'm guessing. Is that correct? <laughs> yes, because all of our time and energy is uh, either concentrated on this game. Makes sense. Uh, one other thing I want to ask is um, V-Commandos, where, uh, where can our listeners purchase this? I, when I looked for it, I remember ordering it. Well, I late-backed it, fortunately, but I I did order another copy later on um, direct from your website. Is that the best place to order it? In the U.S., yes. Uh, we couldn't find a distributor, uh, so that's why we are not in, in retail stores, but... Uh, in the in the UK, in Canada, France, you can find the game everywhere in uh, retail stores, or you should be able to find it. Um, but in the US, we we try, but it's very difficult. I think the game is too niche uh, to interest uh, distributors. I I suppose because the game has good ratings. Uh, currently, we we are not distributed yet in the US. We would love to, but uh, we are not. Yeah, I, I definitely feel like this uh, uh, title flies underneath the radar. There's a a few other cooperative and solo podcasters that have mentioned it in, as well, so it's not completely off the radar, but I, I, I must admit that I don't hear a lot of people talking about it. So it's one reason why I wonder you have, have you come on the show to make sure people knew that this was out there. Yeah, and it's very difficult as a newcomer to, to make your game known. I mean, many, many medias... Uh, videos, uh, podcasts talked about the game, but that's really not enough and it is very difficult. So I, I, I'm sure that the next game we're going to talk about in a few minutes will help us to get some visibility on V-Commandos too. And, uh, I think it should be, it should be a good thing for us too. Definitely. I think it's a perfect transition too. So I'm betting our listeners are dying to know what this next game is. So why don't you do the honors? So we we signed a license agreement with Ubisoft to adapt Assassin's Creed in a board game. So we are really, really happy about that. We are working on that in secret for more than a year now. And um, it will be a cooperative game with infiltration, same spirit as V-Commandos, but very different in the, in many aspects. So yeah, we we can talk about that. I'm really happy to, to be able to talk about it now because I've kept the secret for, for so long now. <laughs> yeah, that's exciting. Um, I, I actually not played uh, Assassin's Creed personally, but my wife liked the game and she's played, I don't know, the first, I don't know, three or four, I don't know, games of it. And I've watched most of her plays as she's played those games so i'm familiar with that i just haven't physically played it myself but i uh yeah this was very exciting to hear so you mentioned that it's a uh infiltration game which is awesome and cooperative which is, i'm sure listeners will love to hear um is this going to be mission based i assume or yeah it will be uh yeah mission based uh in a big campaign this is this game so it will be a, a huge campaign with um, you have a, an HQ where you can upgrade your uh, your assassins, uh, equip them, uh, heal them when they, are, they have been uh, injured in mission, 
uh, and other other things. And also we have a, a system with envelopes. So each time you start a new a new map, you open an envelope, and then you can have surprises, new enemies, uh, new equipment, and new events. So the more you play, the more your decks become bigger, and uh, you have new events regularly. I and yeah, I forgot maybe one of the most important things too. <laughs> we will have a miniatures for this game. So this is one of the new new aspects for us. As I said uh, a few minutes ago, when we don't know a domain because it's the first time for us, we work with experts. So we work currently with seven uh, sculptors. Uh, we worked on uh, all the biggest uh, board game with miniatures. So And we also have an art director working with us. Who is uh, an expert in miniatures too? So we are, and we have very very nice minis, so we are impatient to be able to to show them. So with being a intellectual property that a lot of people enjoy, I know there's some hesitation when they a lot of people hear of an an IP they love being turned into board game because there are some hits out there, but there's definitely a lot of misses. So um, what steps have you taken to help make this a hit? Yeah, that's right. That's one of the of the problem we hear very often in the video game industry too. Um, but the the thing is that we worked for Ubisoft Montreal. I worked for for them uh, before leaving and and uh, and creating the Commanders. Uh, I work also with uh, Fabrice Lamide, who works with us at Tritonoir and who was working on the Assassin's Creed brand here in Montreal too. So he knows perfectly the universe. And also the guys at Ubisoft are board game fans, uh, miniature board game fans. So we can very easily um, uh, pick up our car and go. And 20 minutes later, we play the prototype with them. And it's very, very cool to have the direct feedbacks. They, they really know the board game industry, the miniature industry. So they know what to expect from the minis. And um, it also allows us to, to create uh, new content. So you can expect uh, surprises, but also for new assassins uh, in the game. So we, we create our characters for the game. And uh, we have, a, I think, a, a, a nice creative freedom because they trust us. So it's, it's really great. I think we, it's really, uh, we are really lucky about that. That's exciting. Um, is this a potential opportunity where the board game industry would potentially influence the video game industry if you were to create a certain character they would maybe add it later in the video game i wouldn't bet on that <laughs> but uh, but why not we we never know i mean if the relation gets stronger and maybe after the first game maybe we can go into closer relationships for the next ones but uh, i couldn't say yeah it's a very very big ip uh, in the video game industry it's one of the 20th biggest uh, ip so you can imagine that many, many people are working on it, uh, creating it, and uh, well, but uh, but we never know. So you mentioned having envelopes in this game. Does this mean the game will be a legacy game, or is it something that's going to be replayable? It's replayable. You you do not destruct or, or um, change things in the game, but you remove some content. So you, so the sometimes you play, you remove some content. Sometimes you have you have choices to do in the game. I, I cannot talk about it, but uh, but for example, you will have to choose uh, some paths that will change the the um, the ambience of the rest of the game. So if you replay the game, you can choose the other path and see uh, different things. 
And uh, yeah, that, so but you no, know, it's it's replayable, of course. We, we we are also thinking about you know replay the game in a harder difficulty. So like typical video game uh, things. So as you, as I said, we we come from the video game, so you can expect many things. Like we have trophies also, so you can play when you play a mission, you can decide to to play um, an optional. Um, objective, for example, do not use any remedy, uh, and if you succeed in not uni using any remedy on this on entire map, then you unlock a trophy. You pick up a token and you you plug it in your um, uh, plastic tray, okay. and then you have a, um, a bar with all your trophies, and you can compare it with your friends. and uh, I think it would be funny. But what's interesting in terms of design is that uh, casual players will not care about that. And it's okay, but core gamers will add this optional difficulty just to unlock the trophies. And I think it's a nice, uh, an, instead of having two different levels of difficulty, you have the, it's the same mission, but you have additional challenges if you want. So with this being a campaign game, um, that could mean a lot of things. Could be could mean something like, well, maybe only like five, five or six missions, or it could be something like Gloomhaven, which is like 90 missions or something like that. Um, do you have an idea of where where that's going to fall within the spectrum? Yeah, we will have about 20 missions. 20 missions like the V-Commando mission, so you can expect 30, 45 minutes per mission if you succeed in the from the first shot. Uh, we're also planning expansions, of course. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the main campaign, it would be something like that. So maybe 20, 25 hours of, uh, of gameplay. And you can, as I said, it's, it's replayable. So. As we know, I mean, people want long campaigns, but how many people do really play all the, the campaigns? So another thing I learned from the video game industry, that sometimes only 20% of the people complete a game. So they buy it. And uh, so I think it's better to, to, in my opinion, of course, to focus on working really well each mission and have less missions rather than proposing tons of missions. It's not, it's not, I do not compare that to other games, but I mean, we, we prefer to, to do that and, um, and we will create additional missions in the, in the expansions too, but expansions will allow us to explore other, uh, other things, uh, that we cannot, uh, include in the, in the base game. So, that's why it's separated. And one thing I guess I haven't asked yet is uh, Assassin's Creed kind of uh, reaches across a broad range of historical settings. Uh, what's Which setting is this one set in? It's a good question because <laughs> I forgot to talk about it. Uh, we selected the um, Renaissance setting. So between Assassin's Creed Brotherhood and Assassin's Creed Revelations. And uh, the game will, uh, will be in, in Venice. Venice, which is a very nice city, a very important city at the time, and also we wanted to have uh, visually uh, canals and uh, you know different settings and the settings we uh, usually see in video games, in uh, board games, sorry. So we, yes, we decided for for this time period. For Assassin's Creed, how many players will it support? It will be uh, for one to four players, such as the commander. So it can be played solo. You need to play at least two assassins. Uh, one of the things we changed compared to Vigamando is that you can um, you can decide how many assassins you want to play, and then the game upgrades the game difficulty upgrades 
to to adapt the challenge. So you can select two, three, or four assassins, and then you you play. You are not forced to play a number of uh, assassins like it is in V Commandos. When you select a mission, it's for two, three, or four commandos, and then you have to to adapt. So it's more uh, supple. With the game being about assassins, will it have player elimination or character elimination? It will be no no, no elimination, such as the commandos. As it's cooperative, I, I, I didn't want to have a, a player um, out of the game. So if you eliminate it during uh, a mission, of course, you're, you're off. But you can come back in the next mission. You will, you will come back with a, an apprentice uh, assassin. So it will be weaker. It can use your equipment, but it will be weaker. And then the time that your assassin uh, get healed, and then on the next, the following mission, then you can take back your assassin and continue to play. So it's it's um, you need to to punish the failure, but not too much because uh, if if it's not punishing enough, you don't care. You can die every time, and if it's too punishing, it's very frustrating. So. We think it's, it's the right balance. We're still, of course, testing and uh, and checking all that. So maybe it will change, but currently it works well. So that's the objective. Glad to hear it. And is this going to be a dice-based combat or card-based play? Or what, like, generically, how, how what's the play going to be like? Yes, yes, it will be with dice. And uh, we we have um, one of the things uh, funny with the system that we it's something that I, I imagined before Assassin's Creed Origins was revealed. And in fact, my idea was to have um, on each weapon a special a kind of special ability that can be unlocked in one phase of the of the die. And uh, for example, um, if if you were stealthy before hitting a character, then you 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 get an additional hit, for example. And uh, we have so many different weapons in the game. All weapons are unique, so you have only one copy of each weapon, and each weapon has its special ability. So you have to to exchange and decide which one fits the best your, best your character. And uh, yeah, yeah, then it's uh, it's uh, with dice and uh, this. I mean, it's it's classic. So the characters can choose different different weapon loadouts and items. Uh, do the characters themselves? have special abilities that change throughout the campaign or is it just the items that change? Exactly, yeah. The, the, your characters uh, at the beginning have one ability, simple ability um, that will upgrade when they will level up. But we will also, when you level up, you will also add new um, aptitude to cards to your character. So the more, yeah, the more you play, the more your characters can do things. But we don't want to, to have too many things. So... At the maximum, you will have four um, aptitude cards, and all cards are one-shot use, so you can use them only once per mission. Hmm. So you don't have to think every turn to all your cards and everything. And the, we, as I said, we want the game to be accessible. So yeah, so you you have the it's, it's still very tactic. Uh, as I said, uh, you you have the same kind of fun and tactics as you have with V Commandos, but it's very different. As I said. There are many things that you cannot do anymore in this game, but there are many new things, many excellent new equipment, like the, you have smoke bombs, you have parachutes, where you can move from one roof to, to another one. Uh, you have many funny accessories like that, so it gives you many new options, which are really fun to play. Yeah. So I have to ask one thing, for sure, is uh, 
Assassin's Creed, I always remember the the jump from the high point into the haystack. Is that somewhere in this in this board game? Yeah, I, I prefer not to give too much detail, but it's it's a really cool stuff we have in the game. Climbing into a tower and then uh, you can do a leap of faith, I think. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, um, and uh, you can discover new stuff on the map when you did that. So Fair that, enough. That, that's really cool. And uh, yeah, we'll have surprises with that uh, on the Kickstarter campaign. Oh, I can't wait for that. So when can we look forward to more information on Assassin's Creed? Whether we a Kickstarter date or, or an, an idea when we might hear more about this? Uh, we don't have the Kickstarter date today. It will be sometime around November this year. So it's uh, it's really close. And um, to get more, I think, more information, on the, uh, the Facebook page will be the, the, the best place. So we'll, we'll create a, a Facebook page. Uh, it should be open when, when this podcast will be released. And uh, yeah, that's it. On our website, we'll also find some information. Future Steve here. At the time of the recording, we didn't know the Kickstarter date, but I can confirm that that date is November 13th. Back to you, past Steve. So I personally found V Commandos very streamlined in the design, where I feel like there's a lot of uh, heavy focus on the gameplay and removing a lot of things that may distract you from that. Are, are you taking a similar approach with Assassin's Creed? Yeah, definitely. Um, for V Commandos, it was the first game and I knew I couldn't fail. So I really wanted to do the best possible game I could do. And I did my best on that. Um, and uh, for Assassin's Creed, it's exactly the same. It, it's very easy to lose yourself with the Kickstarter campaign, which is very, there are many things to prepare. Uh, communication around the game can take a lot of time too. Miniatures, it's a project in itself. I mean, uh, managing the, the minis, briefing the artists, finding the artists. Uh, it, all these things take a lot of time, but today we, we have people helping us for the Kickstarter. We have people helping us for the communication, people helping us for the minis. And so I can continue to focus on the gameplay. We, we also have, um, we are also working with another designer that I cannot reveal yet, but uh, another, uh, famous French designer is working with us on the game. So yes, we, for me, the, the most important thing is always the gameplay. It has always been and it will always be. I mean, it's very, it's the most important thing. So all the rest is nice. It, it's cool, but it's, it's for the gameplay that we do all that. Great to hear that. The, the, these are new questions today. Many projects are Kickstarter only. We mm-hmm. will not be, but we will probably not go into retail too. <laughs> because the game will be probably too expensive for retailers. Yeah. So we will not close the door. But they will probably not be interested. But probably retail stores. We can today we sell to to, to retail stores in, in direct in Europe and in the US too. Sure. So maybe some stores will be interested. But we will sell the game online after the campaign. We'll continue to sell online like we do with big commanders. Well, I'm curious about that too because I assume for the Kickstarter you'll have a a pledge level for retailers. I assume or I'm... yes, yes, some retailers uh, backed the game during the campaign yeah. mm-hmm. okay cool but this is probably something uh, yeah we'll probably do something like that for for this campaign but after that they will also be able to to i mean for me it's like a hold up when you when you force the people to get the game it's now or never uh, as as a consumer i don't really like this kind of way of doing so we won the game and it's so frustrating when you miss a campaign 
and then you discover the game and you have to wait and maybe two years for a new Kickstarter campaign potentially. So yeah, we want to, 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 and today we have a distribution system with uh, the websites mm -hmm. in Europe, mm -hmm. North America. So let's continue to, to use it. It's as simple as that. So since you're doing a Kickstarter campaign, does that mean you will have exclusive items in this Kickstarter or how will, how will others be able to purchase this if they can't back it? Um, there will be stretch goals, uh, that you will get as usual, uh, uh as, as much as the progress, the game, the project progresses. Um, we are, we are talking about Kickstarter exclusive, but we are not totally sure about doing that. It's still a question for us because it's frustrating for many people, but we will probably, uh, well, certainly sell the game after the campaign, uh, and also the stretch goals will probably be sold separately. So people who miss the campaign will be able to buy it after that. But of course, it will be more, more expensive than during the campaign. But we don't want to frustrate people who miss the campaign. I hope everybody will hear about the project, but you, you never know. Or sometimes it's not the right moment. So yeah, we want to, to, to keep the game accessible, available for people after that. Excellent. Uh, and then do you have an idea of, of the price point we're looking at, especially when you mentioned minis, I, my mind immediately jumps to like the $100 price point. Cause I feel like that's, um, what these mini games are aiming towards lately. We don't have the, an idea today. We are still discussing with the manufacturers to have uh, prices and for such projects is very long. So we, we are discussing since a few weeks or even months with them. So today is difficult. We're still uh, thinking about the strategy about that. Um, maybe it's a good idea to have a, a box with less content and, uh, and a box with all the content to allow uh, players with less money to, to get the game. This is why I did the, the print and play version in V Commander's campaign. There was a, a $10 pledge uh, for the print and play version, which was available only during the campaign. So I, I was thinking about people who don't have enough money. So we don't know, honestly, today we don't know, but we are thinking about solutions, but we have no, not decided yet. That's fair enough. Uh, we, are, we are very, very happy about, about this project. It's, it was unexpected for us. I mean, we, we, we thought, uh, I was dreaming about having, uh, yes, um, adapting a video game IP. Uh -huh. But I, I didn't think it would come so fast. And in fact, I was also contacted with other people from another company, uh, video game company, to adapt their game. So I said, I'm sorry, but we are already doing it. But uh, yeah, because you really have a video game feeling in V Commandos, and that's one of the things that convinced them that we, we can uh, get the, the soul of the game and as much as we can, of course, and adapt it to 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 another media. So I had the benefit of meeting you at Gen Con to demo V Commandos. Will there be opportunities in the future to demo Assassin's Creed at maybe a convention of sorts? Uh, yes, so the next one is SN in October. So we move, uh, all the team is coming to SN, so we'll be able to meet and uh, we'll have uh, four tables, three or four tables to, to demo Assassin's Creed. Also V Commandos, of course, but we are moving to, yes, to Germany to, to demo the games. And certainly in the U.S. next year, I mean, Gen Con, and we will, we will certainly be there. But convention is new for us. I mean, being at convention with a booth, and this is the first time in SN we have a big booth and a, 
is very very expensive and yes. it's for the campaign so it's it's not very good for us but we have to learn to do that and uh, next year i think it will be one of the ways to sell the game will be conventions too so definitely yeah but it, it's totally new for us but my um, my girlfriend helps me <laughs> for conventions so <laughs> she has experience so she helps us to to organize everything because it's it's a uh, it's huge each time well, thanks so much, Thibaut, for coming on the podcast. I had a lot of fun talking about V Commandos and Assassin's Creed, and and I appreciate your, your time tonight. Thank you for inviting me. And that's going to wrap up this episode of Co-Opcast. Please join us in our next episode. It's the 50th episode, so all four of us will be on the podcast at one time, talking about our favorite cooperative board games. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you at the next stop. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Co-OpCast, your one-stop for cooperative game news and reviews. If you enjoyed this week's episode, please review us on iTunes. And while you're there, check out Mindless Fate. They provide our bumper music. Also, check out Colin on his YouTube channel, One Stop Co-op Shop, and follow us on Facebook at One Stop Co-OpCast. Finally, join our Slack group by emailing us at MVP Board Games for continued discussion on these topics throughout the week. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week.